So, Meister Eckert. How many of you are familiar with Meister Eckert? Okay. It's 14th century mystic. First time I heard about Meister Eckert, my minister said that he was known for having said, if the only prayer we ever have is thank you God, that would be sufficient. That would be enough of a prayer to have a very healing and rich prayer life. And I like that a lot. Now, I think it helps if we mean it. Even if we don't know what we mean. Like, uh, am I willing to be grateful no matter what is happening? Some days yes, some days no. Uh, and, and back then, I, I, I was really willing. I was just so willing. I was having healing after healing after healing. It, it was really quite, quite wonderful, I'll say. And, and so I wanted to know more about Meister Eckert. Now, I did have to allow to tell you the story. I, I was at Unity Village with a friend of mine from Unity of New York. We were both studying towards becoming a uh, licensed Unity teacher. We were both on the board of trustees at that time. But I remember we were in the library uh, looking through archives and things, and we saw a little cassette that said Meister Eckert on it. And my friend who was with us said, we should get him to speak at the church. And I said, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Here's why. 14th century mystic. <laughs> uh, but his, his name, his birth name was Eckert von Hochheim. How about that? Commonly known as Meister Eckert. Anyway, he lived from 1260 to 1328. That was a while ago. He, he was well known for his work with, uh, it says here, pious lay groups. Pious lay, such as the Friends of God. And was succeeded by his more circumspect disciples, John Toller and Henry Suso. Since the 19th century, he has received renewed attention because he kind of disappeared for uh, a couple hundred years after he died. The people just, you know, had faded away for a little bit. And then some people, uh, some scholars, those who studied, they, they found his works and uh, some translations of his works because most of his talks were in German. And uh, he's... Now he's known as a great mystic because he taught us, you know, in our ancestors of new thought, he taught us the basics. He was considered a heretic in his time. Why? Because he was like us. <laughs> we are heretics in, uh, in the religious world. Unity's known as a cult. And, and here's, here's why. Traditional religion has God at a distance from us. You know, I like Julie Gold, but, but her song, From a Distance, is an issue for me. Sorry, Julie, if you're watching this, I think you're wonderfully talented. But that song, From a Distance, is so not our message. That is a different religion's message. But God is not watching us from a distance. First of all, God's not a human being watching us at all. And... What makes us a heretic is we claim our oneness with God. God and I are one. God and you and I are one. That's, as far as I can tell, that's the Jesus Christ message. But in traditional religion, what, what they said, I want to find the right words who say, uh, yeah, they, they, yeah, the Dominican general chapter held in Venice in the spring of 1325. Was anybody there? <laughs> because if you were, I want to know more about you. <laughs> uh, 
They say things in their sermons that can easily lead simple and uneducated people into error. See, so much of traditional religion has wanted to keep the flock, as it were, bound to we're up here and you're down there. The simplicity of spirit, the simplicity of God, is uh, horrifying to organized places. The simplicity of it all is God and I are one. God is love. You are love. I am love. We are love. The simplicity of that. Look how much we have fought it. Can you see where perhaps you have fought that in your life to know that uh, you and God and love are all one? I know where I have fought it yesterday, <laughs> you know, in traffic. I have fought it daily. When uh, I want to tell myself, this should not be happening. These people should not be doing this. And I see myself entirely as entirely separate from other beings. I see myself as entirely separate from my life. So my brother and I this week, we, uh, my oldest brother and I, we're friends now and have been for several years. We didn't used to be. There's an eight-year difference between us and he's older. A few years ago, we were out in a restaurant and we met some people and one of them had to ask, who's older? I said, how dare you? Uh, <laughs> uh, said, how could you have to ask that? But Mark and I, we often when we get together, we talk about family. And uh, he sees our family very differently than I do. And yet he likes the way I see it. He, he, uh, it eases a sense of his past uh, that uh, others don't get to give him because they weren't there. I, several years ago, decided I want to love my family. Why? Because they're my family. And I, I have one relative, I, I keep at a distance because I know if I hang out with them, I'm not going to love them so much. I'm going to forget. So I would rather know the truth about him and not look at the behaviors. You know, not be confronted with that because it has proven a folly when I've tried it a different way. Because I, I don't have judgments in my mind, in my life, and I'm aware of it, and I want to know that as God is for him, Nothing could be against him, including any limited thinking I might have. So, I don't chat with this particular member of my family. And, and I had let him know this a few years ago. I said, you know, it's just not going to work. And so, let's, let's just I'll stay over here and you have your life. And I wish you well in it. I truly do. I wish he wished himself well in his life, because he doesn't seem to. Anyway, in, in uh, Mr. Eckert's, I keep wanting to say Mr. Tolley, but that's a different, different, yeah. different mystic. Mr. Eckert's, or Reverend, Reverend uh, Eckert, as it were, Meister Eckert, or I guess he would have been father. Father, he was a priest. And so he... Uh, It's funny, he was so accused of heresy in the church, and yet 
he was never condemned. He was never found truly guilty. He was brought up on charges, but not tried. He died, actually died before he tried. And the, the then Pope uh, kept looking at it saying, but I like a lot of what he has to say, even though it went against tradition. The things he said really went against tradition. Imagine saying that the only prayer necessary is thank you, God. In a time when they're saying, but you have to do this, 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 and you have to say it in this way, and you have to do it on your knees, and you have to do it this way, in order to be loved by God. Now, I was not brought up in a religion that told me I had to do that, that kind of stuff. There was very few rituals in the church I was brought up in that I'm aware of. Except, except baptism, <laughs> immersion, baptism. But we, uh, it was still very conditional. Nobody really told me what to do to be loved by God. They just kept telling me what not to do. And it was, it was superstitious. I was taught a lot of superstition because that's what they believed in. And so they passed along what they believed and so again i if i had come i i suspect i might be a heretic to my mother today mm. <laughs> if i if she had, had she lived and i it, although it's funny i started unity the week that she she made her transition and my mother was not a bible thumper my mother was not very religious at all she was mostly afraid of religion you know she, she i wasn't that wasn't that i wasn't abused that way but she uh was afraid, and other people were afraid. They were taught to be afraid of God. You must fear God, is what the Bible kind of said, or says, but it, that's not what it means. You must respect God, is what it means. When you see the word fear, it really means respect it. Respect God. Respect divine law. Capital, capital L-A law. Respect love. Respect. And, you know, it's, and people say, well, I sh you know, if a Lions running toward me. I, I should fear that. And I said, no, you should respect it. That's a lion. Run. Uh, re respect what, what the power, this being coming at you, has. And uh, make choices from that rather than fearing it. Because fear limits us. Respect opens us up. And so if God is law, God is love, God is principle, and Meister Eckert taught that. He taught, it's in you, it's as you. What God is, is you. And so he, he taught from that aspect. Uh, I, I, this is one of the things I, I did like so much. In Jacob's Ladder, it's a, it's a play, and, or a, a book, and, and it's the main character's friend attributes the following quote to Eckert, uh, Mr. Eckert. And it says, the only thing that burns in hell is the part of you that won't let go of your life. Your memories, your attachments, they burn them all away. If you're frightened of dying and holding on, you'll see devils tearing your life away. But if you've made your peace, then the devils are really angels, freeing you from the earth. Now that does not imply we should hate our body. That does not imply we should hate this earth or each other. 
What it is saying is, do what you can to make peace with your sensations, with your feelings, your thoughts. Do what you can to make peace with the life you've lived, rather than judging it, rather than latching on and saying, I should have been better, I should have done it differently, I should have been different, I should have. Well, how? How are you going to be different? How was I going to be different back then? How was I going to be different yesterday? Now today, I have an opportunity to make new choices. And the easiest way to make those new choices is to not hate myself for yesterday. To not hate myself for the fears and concerns of yesterday. I've been working a lot this way. I got I this thing about bridges that started a few years ago, where uh, a phobia driving over bridges. And when you're in these uh, water communities, there's a lot of bridges. And last weekend, I got to experience a lot of them. Now, I, uh, and there was one that was going to be on the way to the airport, and I asked my brother if he would, uh, he and his sister-in-law would drive me, or go with me, to drive to the airport to let go of my rental car. And then the next day I would fly home because I had been worn out from all the bridges. I just was a little worn out uh, last Sunday driving from my mentee's church down to my brother's. And I wanted to forgive myself for that fear. I wanted to experience forgiveness for whatever it is that happens in me and my, well, my hands start to sweat and, I, uh, and I, the anxiety that starts. And I don't know why it's there. What I do know is it's healable. And it was funny, uh, as I, my sister-in-law sat next to me in my car, I drove over these two bridges, and only one of them produced a little anxiety, and I just touched her hand, and I was fine. And I thought, oh, I could have done this the next day on my own. I also knew that as soon as I got back, I was going to have to drive over the Whitestone Bridge, and I, was, and I thought, why wreck my day? I could forgive myself for having fear and ask for help. Imagine that. I could risk being embarrassed in front of my brother and my sister-in-law. I could risk them thinking how stupid or foolish by saying, I have this right now. I don't know why, and I need your help. And they had the option of saying yes or no. And if they had said, Sean, you know, it's too much for us tomorrow. We were counting on you driving yourself. I would have been okay. And I would have faced any anxiety I had and driven over the bridge. I also love that the other day, the Course in Miracles lesson was, there is nothing to fear. David and I have been reading the lessons this year. There is nothing to fear. See, Mr. Uh, Mr. Eckert, he said he, uh, he attempted to guide his flock, as well as monks and nuns under his jurisdiction, with practical sermons on spiritual psychological transformation, and New Testament metaphorical content related to the creative power inherent uh, in uh, disinterest or detachment. The central theme of, of Eckert's uh, German sermons is the presence of God in the individual soul, in the individual soul, and the dignity of the soul of the just man. Although he elaborated on his theme, he rarely departed from it. In one sermon, he gave the following summary of his message. He said, when I preach, 
I usually speak of detachment and say that a man should be empty of self and all things, and secondly, that he should be reconstructed in the simple good that God is, and thirdly, that he should consider the great aristocracy which God has set up in the soul, such that by means of it man may wonderfully attain to God, and fourthly, of the purity of the divine nature. When I when I started my healing journey almost 30 years ago, people told me I was good. These people I uh, was sitting next to, they didn't tell me I was bad for all that I had done. They didn't tell me I should be ashamed for all that I had done. One man, one big man, stood in the front of the room and said, God has better things in store for you than anything you could ever imagine. So. Before I had entered those healing rooms, I had imagined very selfish, very narcissistic things. And then I come here and this man in the front of the room sa says, doesn't say, you must atone for your sins. You must realize that God could never forgive someone like you. He didn't say that at all. He said, God has better things in store for you than anything you could ever imagine. And I saw, oh, I had done destructive behavior because I didn't, I was competing with God, as it were. I was trying to imagine better than God could imagine. I thought I knew better because I was afraid in life and God hadn't removed those fears, so I had to create a safe life for myself. And that safe life for myself repeatedly involved endangering myself. It repeatedly involved being a liar and a thief and, uh, you know, and putting things into my body that would hurt it just to get away from shame just to get away from guilt, just to get away. And then, finally, I got so desperate, I went and found people to tell me I was good, to tell me they had been where I was. And we didn't ever have to go back there again. We didn't ever have to hurt ourselves again, as long as we practiced principle, divine principle. And then somebody brought me to unity, where I heard it in an even deeper way. And so, in these antecedents, these ancestors of new thought, who all keep telling us, all the good of God is within us, I encourage you to go do your homework, to do more research on Meister Eckert. There's a lot of fascinating stuff, but I didn't want to do a whole lecture on the history of Meister Eckert because that just would stimulate our intellect today. And I want to stimulate our soul. I want to stimulate the reminder, oh, I am good. I don't, there is no cause for me to be guilty over what I have done. And any guilt I try to inflict on myself will not redeem me. All it will do is tell me, oh, all I have to do is be guilty. I could do any awful thing I want and... All I have to do is say, I'm sorry, God, I'm guilty, and I think I'm off the hook. I'm not off the hook in my own mind, but I was never on the hook in spirit.
And that's the bear of it. You know, with my parents, they were never on the hook for what they did to me, except in my mind. My neighbors aren't on the hook for anything they may have uh, imposed upon me of their stuff. And I've never been on the hook for what I've done. In truth, in principle, and in the divine laws of love, I have never, ever been condemned. You know, it, uh, the thank you, God, goes along with our yes power, our power of faith. Divine mind faculty of faith sits in the center of the brain. And our faith is what we are saying yes to. When I look at that, what am I saying yes to? If anybody reads my newsletter, I, I hope you do. A few weeks ago, I talked about faith. And it's our yes faculty. So I have to look at, where's my faith line? What do I have faith in? Do I have faith in the best or the worst? Do I have faith in peace and joy or war and tragedy? Do I have faith that there is a possibility for freedom and I can have it and so can my neighbor that I don't like? And I said, wouldn't that be the coolest thing? Anybody who has a neighbor they don't like and we both can be free. We both can be set free in God and they don't have to undo what they did. Wouldn't that be the best thing? And that our faith lies and says, yes, that'd be a great thing and I'm willing to believe it's possible. Wouldn't that uh, just set us free for today and the next day and the next day so I can go to bed tonight and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. And I can wake up tomorrow morning which will again be today, and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. It's how I have uh, gone to sleep at night for many years now, and that is how I've gotten up in the morning. I, I, years ago, I don't get specific on what to thank God for. Just thank you, God. Thank you, God. I know divine possibility is awakened in me now, and I will see it as, is ne as it is necessary to see it. You know, we've all given ourselves a gift today to come up here and hear this stuff. To restructure our thinking. And hand it over to the divine laws of love. The laws of principle. The laws of peace and power and presence. The laws of wisdom. And so, as so you go from here, and you're going down the street, and you start to think of something that uh, irks you. Start to think of a person that irks you and you say God I'm willing to know different I'm willing to know something different that is true that is right I am willing in my power of faith to say yes to freedom to say yes to love to say yes to spirit to say yes to divine possibility to say yes that one that what Sean said today is true and accurate. To say yes to what my gut instinct knows about what I am. And so I encourage all of us, including me, to do a lot more yes based on our faith in good. Thank you.